This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Say hi to your mom for me. Joining me as always is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? Quite a lot, actually. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. Uh, the wife and I am picked up and moved. So we're at uh, we're at our new digs now. Things are more or less settled. I've been sick with a variety of ailments. <laughs> Gave my first stool sample to the doctors. That was fun. Oh no, I, I'm curious, but I don't want to hear details. <laughs> it's one of those situations where it's like I, I'm interested in the backstory, but I don't really want to hear it. Yeah. Well, I could spare you the, the gory details, but uh, for a couple of days, I was just out of commission. I couldn't really move. I was so lethargic and weak. Didn't want to eat anything. I never threw up or anything, but I always felt like I was going to. Mm-hmm. But maybe I just wasn't because I wasn't eating anything. <laughs> I was off. I had to call in sick to work for a day and a half, a couple of days. It was a rough one. But everything tested negative, so <laughs> really glad I went to the doctor and uh, I was at urgent care for over two hours. Like, didn't I wasn't waiting two hours? I was in the doctor's office for over two hours. Keep giving me the the runaround. Test after test. Well, they're like, they, uh, they just the nurse like... came in right away, and she does her initial stuff. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to give you two swabs, you know, a COVID test and a, uh, a flu test. The flu test will come back in 20, 25 minutes. It's like, cool, great. <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later, the doctor comes in, doesn't say anything about the test. Like I guess I hadn't come back yet. And he's like, oh, it'll be back soon. And he's kind of, he kind of, you know, pokes and prods. And then he leaves. They were sitting there like over a half hour. And I'm like, what's going on? I think they forgot about us. And uh, wife was with me. She went out in the hallway and started jacking people up. And yeah, I came back and oh, doctor comes right back. And oh, yeah, it was negative. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know if he's acted like it, like it, the test just came back. It was like by that time, it had been over an hour since we took the test. And then he said another nurse is going to come in to instruct me on how to give the stool sample. Oh, boy. And it waited damn near another hour for that. <laughs> they, made, they made you do it in the office? like on, No, on I wanted to do it. They're like, no, you can't. Oh. I was like, why not? We need you to put it in the mail and have the USPS <laughs> handle it. <laughs> so I guess I won't tell you about how you collect it necessarily, but you put it in a little um, vial, basically, and mm-hmm. then you put the vial in a bag. 
and then you just bring back and like throw in the bag, <laughs> give them the bag. <laughs> like if it's going to be out for over an hour, you got to put it in the fridge, that sort of a thing. As well as I keep saying, don't keep don't that they make shit you, cool. Don't they make you put it in the freezer next to your food? <laughs> <laughs> Returning to where it once came from. <laughs> yeah, like to me, it just made too much sense. I was like, can I just go to the bathroom next door and do it there? And I'm like, well, no, you know, because how did he phrase it? He said communicable diseases, blah, blah, blah. This is a commonly used restroom or common area, even though it's like it's not in the waiting room. It's behind behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I know there's certain standards of cleanliness, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's like no, it's like no number twos in the office. Is, is what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's only for urine samples. Because <laughs> he's like, you know, I can give you a, an excuse for work, you know, to quarantine for this COVID test. You know, I, he didn't think it was COVID, neither did I. Mm. It wasn't. But he's like, you know, you should quarantine anyways for a day until the test comes back. But it's like, so you can do whatever the fuck you want, even if you're potentially have COVID. But, you know, if you got to take a shit, <laughs> you're shit out of luck. You right. gotta go home. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> That's so weird. It's like I got one in the chamber. I can do it right now. <laughs> I was holding this in for, like, for just like this was, moment. I was planning on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, enough about that. I also threw out my back, cut my hand on a bed frame. So it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yeah. And catch a break. I tell you what, if I, the next time I move, I'm definitely hiring people to move my heavy shit. Cause it's, it's too much. It's a, it's a problem. <laughs> uh, indeed. Anyways. Meanwhile, I've just been watching hella movies in, in the last month. Yeah, I've been seeing all your tweets and your updates on Letterboxd. Yeah, you follow me on Letterboxd, uh, Wolfie T or at Positively Wolf One. And uh, you can check out some bonus reviews in addition to our recently seen episode today, where uh, we'll each talk about three movies. But uh, I probably uh, I probably watched a good 20 first time watches, maybe more since our last episode so uh some really good stuff in there too some some older movies that i had never seen before and a couple rewatches that are uh fantastic films and uh a couple of new theatrical releases that are not very good but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah check out my letterbox for uh you know the rest of my short reviews and ratings that you will not hear on the podcast I am on there as well under Eric Mulder. However, my profile pic is the show logo. So it should be easy to find. And yours is the same as your logo on Twitter, right? Yes. Yes. Um, And you've rated a lot more movies than I have, but uh, 
I've been going as I watch them, I've been rating mm-hmm. them and reviewing them. Cause I honestly, these movies I haven't watched in three plus years. I can't really remember what I thought of them. <laughs> Most of them. So been doing it yeah. that way. But uh, a lot of them I rated initially were just going down like my collection, you know, row by row and rating them. I got through about, uh, I'd say third of my collection, maybe 40%. And so I still uh, got to get through the rest, but that's saying something. Cause uh, you have over a thousand movies rated on Letterboxd. Yeah. Well, not all of those are for my collection, though. I probably only have 1,200 some movies, but yeah. Anywho. Anyways. Uh, I guess what's coming up next, uh, we're going to be doing our long-awaited Top Gun episode. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick is upon us. They had the Amped. premiere, so it's coming out. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited for it. uh, I've been seeing the trailers for about three years now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm excited to see it on the Dolby screen with the big speakers. With your seat rumbling every time the plane flies by you. I'm excited. Told you, Brett. Kenny Loggins in in Dolby audio is is, is a revelation. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't wait. I I hope they use the same soundtrack. In the same score mm-hmm. so yeah that'll be coming up talk to uh friends over at the mmc and there's uh various projects in the works we will possibly be having uh, john on our show for an upcoming episode on a steven seagal film out for justice uh, we haven't nailed down a time yet but that looks to be on the horizon and it looks like Stu from that very same show is going to be doing a side project about uh, some disco films, which is right up my alley, of course. So looks like we'll be collaborating on a few of those in the near future. Um, John's also doing some side projects he didn't go into more detail on, but a lot of things cooking over there at the MMC. And they always have new episodes up. Another new one uh, two days ago. Shit, yeah, yesterday even, I think. It was within the last couple days, for sure. And they are doing... Uh, it was on Jimmy Wang Yu. Yes, they're doing video podcasts on their YouTube channel now, if you're interested mm-hmm. in that. Yep, and they... I know some of these side projects aren't going to be on audio only. Or, I mean, aren't going to be on audio additionally. So, only on YouTube for some of them. So, make sure you go and subscribe uh what else what else what else is coming up (laughs) we haven't really decided on like a summer theme i think we're just going to do several different things yeah like i I had thrown out some uh like one of the time travel time travel movies um one of them we'll probably do some of those yes i suggested uh time after time which is the H.G. Wells chasing Jack the Ripper in modern 1970s San Francisco. Um, H.G. Wells of the Time Machine. And then uh, Demolition Man, I suggested. Is that's not really a time travel movie. It kind of is. It's, it's more of a cryogenic reanimation <laughs> as opposed to a legit time travel. But uh, Well, you I transport the, the audience in time. 
Yes. From 1990s uh, Los Angeles to 20, I forget the, is I think it like 2080 like, something? I think it's like 2030. It's a lot closer than you would think. And uh, I think we're getting there to the world of Demolition Man. It's like 2030 or 2032, <laughs> something like that. Get a load of this guy. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the seashells. <laughs> <laughs> be fun one it's a fun summer one to do yes and then i don't know I, like i threw up maybe we'll do uh back to the future or something like that uh we don't tend to do the really popular movies around here so that would be a, a departure for us i think to do something that popular well we do sometimes but it seems like we're always <laughs> we feels almost like we're hoarding them or you know um yeah like we're just gonna oh we're gonna do it we're just gonna do it later we're just delaying gra- gratification I guess yes but, we haven't done enough episodes to do the popular ones yet <laughs> <laughs> it almost feels like we're selling out when we start pulling out these these ones that everybody loves and uh, it's like we've done so many like. Uh, it's just it's a different feel when you're like hey everybody loves this movie <laughs> we're not yeah, trying I mean, to convince anybody that it's good <laughs> we did pulp fiction but we did jackie brown first you know yeah stuff like that uh, yep and then finally we got to your favorite reservoir dogs reservoir dogs that was what episode 200 or 250 i forget yeah and we did scarface and we did uh um oh clockwork orange clockwork orange we did natural born killers which is that's like my top four or five right there Mm -hmm. uh we did jaws as a uh or a uh milestone episode yeah um we tend to keep them for the milestones Unless they're like uh, movies from our childhood, then we'll just break them out in a random <laughs> February episode. <laughs> I wish Clockwork Orange is from my childhood. <laughs> what a childhood. Yeah. Start them young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, plenty of stuff that's uh, coming up in the future. We're going to be stockpiling some horror episodes over the summer. For my eventual hiatus when baby boy arrives in late July, hopefully. And then, um, yeah. So, I guess we should just get into it then. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Let's do it. So, since you completed the movie challenge for The Spy Who Loved Me, I will go first. And I saw a 2022 film. Father Stew. I, I saw it too. Yeah. Directed by Rosalind Ross, starring Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, Jackie Weaver, Faith Jeffries, Teresa Ruiz, Malcolm McDowell. Speaking of clockwork, and uh, that's uh, playing against type. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. He plays a cardinal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Annette Mahendru, Cody Fern. I think that'll do it for the cast. Synopsis 
follows the life of Father Stuart Long, a boxer turned priest who inspired countless people during his journey from self-destruction to redemption. So just a, a quick preface to this. I saw this at Mall of America at the B&B theaters, mm-hmm. who I raved about with their slogan, enjoy the magic of the movies that they have to tell you at every point of sale. I did not hear that once this time. I was very disappointed. Oh, man. I hope you complained. Did you reach out to their DMs on Twitter? I should. Because without the magic of the movies, why would I go to B&B, you know? Why? How do you know that you're going to experience the magic of the movies if they don't remind you? Mm -hmm. That's why AMC puts that Nicole Kidman uh, ad before all their movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they didn't have... I'm trying to remember what they had before Father Stu. Because what I originally saw there was a quiet place too. And they had first they had John Krasinski come on saying, Thanks for coming out during a pandemic, right. risking your life to watch my new movie. And then uh they had the CEO of B and B talking about it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they uh they hired some new people who just aren't up to snuff. I don't know what the deal is, but you get their training uh you know, go on, get it uh, yeah. worked out. But uh, yeah, so Father Stu, I didn't know much about this going in as I want to do with these movies based on uh, real life, these biopics. I was pleasantly surprised with the story. I guess I'd say I was, <laughs> there's, there's far more to it than I thought. I thought it was just a, uh, a boxer who you know likes to drink and party and get into trouble and he cleans up his ways and becomes a priest and it's now, far from that <laughs> now did you see the trailer beforehand or no uh yes but i don't think i watched the the full theatrical trailer i think i just saw some tv spots yeah and i don't know if i was even really paying attention much wasn't watching much tv leading up to this the full trailer basically gives the whole story away all right. Well, I guess I'm glad I didn't see the trailer. <laughs> Which is why I'll, I'll let you do your review, but uh, I felt like you got exactly what you were expecting if you've seen the full trailer. Okay. Like it, it basically tells you everything that's going to happen. And then, yeah. obviously, the full movie expands on it, but like there are really no surprises. Yeah, there was, there was a couple for me. <laughs> It's a car accident and then something else happens health related. It was like, what? Yeah. A couple of, couple of curveballs. The the movie itself, the style is very uh, paint by numbers, very generic biopic. I mean, you know, it ends with them showing you footage of the real person, which I pretty much always enjoy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's nothing really unique about uh, the way they told this story. However, I did find it very inspirational. The performance from Mark Wahlberg was better than I've seen recently, which maybe doesn't say much, but uh, it's definitely a, a good step in the right direction because the last two films that I've seen him in were infinite. That God awful movie that went to Paramount plus that was mm-hmm. Antoine Fuqua directed from the director of training day. <laughs> and then the Netflix movie he did a couple of years back, uh, Spencer Confidential, with uh, God, who is that other guy? Is it a Michael Bay movie? 
Mm. I haven't seen either of those. Um, Don't. Yeah, I, I really wasn't uh, planning on it. The Spencer Confidential was... It's like a spy movie, isn't it? No, synopsis of this film is when two Boston police officers are murdered, ex-cop Spencer teams up with his no-nonsense roommate Hawk to take down criminals. The Hawk is played by Winston Duke. Oh, I see. So you didn't see Joe Bell, which I thought should have been called the guilt trip. Yeah, or... no, I didn't see that. I remember you talking about it. <laughs> or Uncharted. Um... It's just him walking, right? <laughs> But yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, he talks to his ghost kid who killed himself because he was gay and his dad didn't like him being gay. And uh, so he felt guilty about it and he was going to go spread like some anti bullying talking points. And he's just angry and mean. And uh, anyways, uh, Peter Berg directed Spencer Confidential. Peter Berg, who you know from Corky Romano. <laughs> he's done some stuff I've liked. Well, but... it's, fu- it's funny because he's like, as a director or producer, like he produced uh, Ballers on HBO. And uh, like as a director, he does all these like highbrow. Uh, and he, uh, yeah. he produced like you want United 93 and Patriots Day, right? lone survivor i think he did yeah he does a lot of prestige type work as a director but like i just think of him as the illiterate brother from corky romano yeah friday night lights like that uh yeah anywho that movie's garbage (laughs) uh Wahlberg was much better in here i wouldn't nominate him for an oscar for this but uh i thought his passion for the material shone through basically he wasn't walking through it like he did infinite or Joe Bell where he was literally walking through it, <laughs> walking throughout. <laughs> I mean, there's about a third of the movie where he's not walking in the father's yeah. too. So. Uh, Mel Gibson is, uh, was great in here. Uh, it's a perfect role for him. Um, he brought a lot to it. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun seeing Malcolm McDowell show up, started laughing immediately. <laughs> wife wasn't sure what's going on she hasn't seen clockwork orange and yeah she doesn't know who he is <laughs> or your dad's favorite movie <laughs> yeah caligula caligula <laughs> uh, i mean i haven't seen caligula either so I <laughs> i'm just guessing based on what i've heard <laughs> i just heard it's really good <laughs> but uh yeah with the type of entertainment out there i think audiences could do far worse and i would recommend you get off your butts and get inspired by father stew i'll give it an eventually eventually there you go i think i'd give it a last resort um Mm. just because it's i don't know I, i get you get inspired by it but like you said, it's pretty paint by the numbers and like, because the trailer gave away the whole story, it's just like well, you didn't really leave anything else to tell, so um, but the, the way it was directed probably had a lot to do with Mel Gibson 
Because I remember right after I saw it, I went to Letterboxd to like write a little review. And I was looking at the director. I was like, Rosalind Ross. I was like, why do I know that name? And then I saw her picture. And I'm like, wait a second. Isn't that the mother of Mel Gibson's kid? <laughs> like, like from like a year ago? Because yeah, I- uh, when he was nominated for uh, Hexaw Ridge, I remember he brought a, a female companion with him to the Oscars. She was pregnant at the time. And they were talking about it on the red carpet and he's uh, apparently still with her. And so, yeah, good for Mel. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she directed that and she hasn't really done like much of anything else. Uh, so I'm sure connections with Wahlberg and uh, Mel Gibson helped and Gibson probably ghost directed <laughs> most of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Helped her yeah. along a little bit. Yeah. I heard about that after seeing it too. And it's like, Oh Mel Gibson's girlfriend's directorial debut. (laughs) I will say there's the one thing that did surprise me is like how how many F-bombs they dropped in a movie about a Catholic priest. Like it seems excessive for for that type (laughs) of movie. Like, like, because it seems like the type of movie my mom would want to see. But as soon as they start dropping F-bombs, she'd probably just want to leave. Yeah, because uh, like nobody talks like that. But uh, or maybe she'd stick it out because she knows he turns into a priest later. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the only thing that kind of caught me off guard. Yeah. But uh, all right, uh, anyway, what did you see? I saw from 2022, The Northman, directed by Robert Eggers, starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman. Cleus Bang, uh, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Gustav Lind, Elliot Rose, Willem Dafoe, uh, Owen Forere, remember a Sally Hardesty from the 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and also looking like my high school lunch lady, old lady white. Mm, yep and uh and bjork's in there among other members of the cast jason's favorite (laughs) uh did he love bjork i don't remember yeah he had a thing for bjork this might be the second bjork movie i've seen i can't remember if i've seen anything else with her just dancer in the dark yeah, I think that's the only thing. Unless she slipped in on a supporting role in something else. Anyway, synopsis for The Northman. From visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. That sounds like more of a uh, advertising tagline than a synopsis. But uh, I loved this movie. This is probably the best new movie I've seen in a theater since the movie 1917, which was my pick for best movie of 2019. So it's it's probably the best movie I've seen in, in about two or three years. Um, well, two years in the theater. I loved it. The cinematography is great. The action's amazing. Direction's great. Uh, all the performances are fantastic. Loved the music. Uh, they weave 
folklore and uh, mythology throughout the story and there's there's uh there's some familiarity with like the action scenes but then there's these scenes where they they intertwine the mythology and it it, it feels very unique for this type of a uh, genre picture alexander skarsgård was amazing his character is very animalistic which i i really enjoyed it's uh i'm sure you may have seen some criticism that it's very masculine and in my mind that's a plus <laughs> that is very masculine but yeah i loved it uh i loved everything about it uh just uh an epic journey uh of revenge fulfilling prophecies you get the robert eggers like fantasy stuff in there and uh yeah i like i said the best movie i've seen in the theater in a few years and uh i'm gonna give it an asap asap that means now all right very rare wtm asap yeah i will be looking forward to seeing that soon along with the unbearable weight of massive talent. Can't wait to see that. I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I took my dad to see The Northman, mm-hmm. and all he could say, like, my dad doesn't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. He, you know, he's he watches a lot of sports and stuff, and, like, any TV he watches is pretty mainstream stuff. And all he could say is, like, man, that was so bizarre. It's <laughs> 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 like... He's like, man, I thought it was going to be like cliche with like the guys jumping off the, you know, the the fence and taking the guy off the horse. And, but like, there's so much other stuff in there that's things you don't see in, in a big mainstream epic action adventure like this that uh, I, I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, like I said, my, my dad, I, I don't think he knew what to think about it. He's like, it was just so bizarre. I don't even know. <laughs> But I think he liked it, but it was just, it was so on a different level of most of the things he's used to seeing that uh, I, I don't think he knew how to process a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I thought that was kind of funny. All right. Well, I checked another 80s movie off my list. One that everyone's seen, but I hadn't. From 87, Dirty Dancing. I will say that's one I, I still have not seen. And uh, it's one that I've passed up many times. I feel mm-hmm. like I should watch it, but like it, it seems like something that I wouldn't enjoy. Yeah, I'd passed it up many times as well, but I knew I was going to have to watch it sometime. I mean, I'm an 80s movie buff. I'm a hound for 80s films. so It seems up your alley more, more so than mine. Yeah, I mean. Because you're a big Swayze guy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm into the Swayze, yeah. It's fair to say. I'm not a big Swayze guy, so I think that's part of it, too. I guess I'm not obsessed with, like, 80s Swayze necessarily. I mean, I love Roadhouse. Yeah. But I like Point Break a lot, and that's early 90s. Uh, You know, Red Dawn, I'm not whatever about. I'm not, I could take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some other stuff that he was in that I haven't seen yet, I guess. But, I mean, Ghost was 1990. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, this was just a movie that it was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's supposed to have a good soundtrack, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's like, you know how it ends though. Like, 
it's been yeah. parodied to death yeah and uh, i know i know what song they're gonna be playing too <laughs> and that's not like an 80s jam i like to jam out to so i was like oh the soundtrack's gonna be that and i don't want to you know jam out to that uh but i digress uh the director is emile ardolino starring patrick swayze jennifer gray jerry orbach from law and order fame cynthia rhodes jack weston jane brooker or brucker kelly bishop your boy wayne knight wayne knight newman i think that'll do it for cast synopsis spending the summer at a cat skills resort with her family francis baby houseman falls in love with the camp's dance instructor johnny castle <laughs> his name is johnny castle <laughs> oh boy so it takes place in the 60s uh 63 to be exact what, what are the age ranges on these characters that are falling in love so baby is 17 i believe or she's like a senior or going to be a senior in high school it could be summer after senior year because they're talking about college i think but anywho, it's right around senior year. So she's like 17, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Swayze is like 35. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how old he was when he made this movie. Let's see. Swayze was born in 52. So he was 35 when this movie came out. <laughs> but I think he's supposed to be playing like mid 20s something like that it's one of those movies if you made it today there would be a segment of the internet that would call it a pedophile movie Mm. yeah it was it's been a few weeks maybe a month i can't remember exactly what age you're supposed to be but yeah anywho did disney produce it (laughs) (laughs) just you see my tweet today there was another there was an actress in the new Doctor Strange movie that her and her husband were accused of uh, molesting a how was it like a, a thirteen year old yeah something like that thirteen repeatedly for like a, over like a year or two in like in the mid aughts <laughs> her husband's twenty three years older than her which is <clears throat> another big red flag so this is like when she would have been like twenty. And her husband would have been 40 something. Yeah. And then they're with a molesting like a 13 year old. Messed up stuff. A lot of Disney stuff has been coming out recently. A lot of people working with Disney, associated with Disney. Ufta. Yes. Dirty Dancing, on the other hand, a delight. Just a delight. <laughs> uh, there's some, you know, soapy drama in here, melodrama. Um, the performances are pretty decent. You know, I was waiting, waiting the whole movie for Swayze to say nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> he finally did. And then she runs and jumps into his arms and he holds her above his head. And it's so, I don't know what the term is, like so innocuous or so, like, I don't know how that became a line that people wanted to quote because she's just sitting against the wall. Like she's at a table with her parents. <laughs> And he's like, nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) 
I'm always amazed when I watch movies like that, where it's like you're waiting for the famous line, and then it's just like in the middle of some dialogue, like it doesn't even like stand out. It's like why? Why is that the famous line? Like that's not even like that's not even uh, delivered with any kinds of oomph or emphasis or anything like that. Yeah, because Jerry Orbach is the the father of Jennifer Grey. He's not a fan of Swayze because he gets the wrong impression of him through a various a various subplot involving an abortion <laughs> and uh so he does he wants his daughter to have nothing to do with him and he knows that they've been intimate together maybe it's because he's teaching dirty dancing to teenagers <laughs> well the so his job is he works at this resort and he teaches you know ballroom dancing and all these other different dances to these vacationing families and couples mm-hmm. So basically he like the the women or the men will pay for their wives to get lessons from Swayze and then he fucks them at night. <laughs> uh, they don't show a whole lot of it, but uh, they allude to that and he admits to as much. I mean, that sounds about right. He's basically what? just been spending his summers banging these old ladies uh, <laughs> after dancing with them, just, just having these meaningless relationships. The glorified uh, male prostitute. Yep. And uh, there's like the certain section of the, the resort that's off limits to the customers. It's, you know, it's uh, employees only. And it's like a big barn they all live in, basically. And they go there and they dirty dance and have fun. <laughs> Jennifer Gray sees it and she wants that. And uh, yeah, she ingratiates herself with the working class. And um, yeah, it goes from there. Uh, so yeah, she has to learn how to dance for various reasons in that abortion subplot. His dance partner has to get an abortion so she can't dance, of course. And they have to go perform at other at these places in the region. They get paid big money to dance in front of people. There's all the rage in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. There's the dancing with the stars before the dancing with the stars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I will uh, say I was I was glad I watched it. I'd recommend it. It's a rite of passage, I guess, for eighties films. I'll give it an eventually. Eventually. All right. I think I saw that they're bringing Jennifer Grey back for another Dirty Dancing sequel. Oh really? I believe I saw that on Twitter the other day. They should bring back Swayze too. Might as well. I mean, they put uh, Carrie Fisher in those last two Star Wars movies. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> well, that was just footage left over. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I just remember it was, uh, I think it was a blooper from Family Guy or a deleted scene. And there was some restaurant that I think Cleveland started or, I don't know, Stewie was working at it too. Anyways. <laughs> I think he was talking to Brian or somebody points over and says, look at a Kurt Cobain over there. And it's just a rotting, like skeleton corpse in a booth. (laughs) And there's two women just fawning over him. He's like, you know, just good for him. You know, (laughs) did all these years. He could still pull that kind of tail. (laughs) (laughs) Swayze could do it. Sure could. Oh, man. All right, All right, what else did you see? Another 2022 movie. 
this is a foreign film. Oh, good for you. Called Hatching, which is uh, from Finland. I'm going to butcher a bunch of names here. Uh, directed by Hannah Bergholm, starring Sairi Sololina, Sophia Heikala, Yanni Volanen, Reino Norden, Oiva Olilla. I'm going to stop there. That's uh, That's the four main characters. Synopsis is a young gymnast who tries desperately to please her demanding mother discovers a strange egg. She hides it and keeps it warm, but when it hatches, what emerges shocks them all. This was a, uh, let's say, a unique movie. It's kind of a, a different idea, different concept. So the, the family is made up of the mother, the father, the, uh, a daughter, and a son. And the mother has a blog where she she gives updates on her perfect home life. And uh, so she's always taking videos and taking pictures to make it look like everything is just ex- perfect, exactly the way everything should be, no problems with the family. Uh, but in reality, she's very demanding and very controlling. And uh, the husband is kind of withdrawn and uh kind of a cuck and he doesn't know how to (laughs) talk to his daughter and the uh the son is like the uh he's like a mini me of the dad they look exactly the same they always wear the same like powder blue shirt and khaki pants or khaki shorts and they got these big round plastic framed uh, uh, glasses and they got the same haircut but he's kind of a, a brat. And then the, the daughter just, uh, she wants to please her mother. But like you can tell she's uncomfortable with a lot of the demands that the mother puts on her. And so like at the beginning of the movie, there's a bird that flies into their window. And they go out to look at it and it gets into their living room and breaks a bunch of shit. And they finally catch it and the mother breaks its neck. And uh, in the middle of the night... And so the daughter has to throw it in the the organics trash. Mm. Anyways, in the middle of the night, the daughter hears the bird whining. And she ends up going out to look for it and finds it in the middle of the woods. And next to the bird is this egg. And she brings it back to her uh, bedroom and puts it under a big stuffed teddy bear and uh, keeps it warm. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it eventually hatches. And uh, the thing that comes out of it looks fantastic. Like the creature design is amazing. But there's like a mental and physical connection the daughter feels with this creature. And it's it, it, it becomes a metaphor for uh, like growing up and changes that you go through. And I, I won't spoil too much because it's it gets pretty fun. And uh, there's some horror elements in there. And um, it's just a really interesting film, uh, really unique. Um, Like I said, it was was different, a different kind of concept. And it's one of my favorite movies of the year so far. So I'm going to give it a soonish. Soonish. All right. And uh, 
I I will say I enjoyed it that much having one of the worst theatrical experiences I've had in a long time. <laughs> so so there was like eight people in the theater. It was it was a small audience. Thursday night, opening night. And uh so I'm in the middle of the back row and I see this guy come up to the back left corner and I recognize him. It's the same guy that almost got kicked out of the Kingsman because somebody complained <laughs> about his stinky feet being out and him constantly checking <laughs> his phone. <laughs> and uh, they went and told the employees about it and they came up and talked to the guy. And then after the employees left, he, he, re, uh, he looked over to the woman who complained and said, why don't you say it to my face? And they went and reported it as a threat. And uh, the people that reported him ended up leaving. But he uh, convinced the uh, theater employees to let him stay. So that guy is the one that comes up and sits <laughs> in the back left corner. So I know he's trouble. He's going to take his shoes off. And he's going to be on his phone a lot. Which he was. And he was splayed across two, <laughs> two seats with his feet up on the footrest. To my right is another uh, a couple, I don't know, they must have been in their 20s or something. And they're sitting in the, the back right corner and uh, they move two seats closer to me because their seats won't recline. They're, they're not working. And uh, right as the movie starts, they answered a phone call <laughs> and they, they're taking a phone call in the theater while the opening credits are going. And, uh, and then throughout the movie, the, uh, they continued playing on their phone. The, the woman took, I don't know how many selfies and, uh, I don't know if she had the flash on or not, but you could see it flashing over and over again as she took a bunch of pictures. She dropped her phone at least three times, including like between the seats one time. So they get the flashlights out to look for that. It was very distracting. It was, it was one of the worst, <laughs> worst. Oh, and then they were talking through the whole thing. And uh, like whenever something was like, you know, one of the horror things happening in the movie, she'd go, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And then like, you know, <laughs> when it, whenever they started paying attention, they'd be like, who's that? Is that the dad? Who I don't know who that is. Like it's subtitled, they fucking tell you who all the characters are on the bottom of the screen like it's not that hard to follow but uh yeah even with all those distractions i i really liked the movie um and i'm tempted to go see it again in the theater but i don't know if i will um but uh hopefully if you go see it you'll have a better experience than, than i did and uh still enjoy it at least as much as i did all right so the last film I'm going to talk about is Thank God It's Friday from 1978, directed by Robert Klein, starring Donna Summer, Valerie Landsberg, Terry Nunn, Chick Venera, Ray Vitt, or Vitti, uh, Mark Lano, Jeff Goldblum, Deborah Winger, Paul Jabara, Otis Day, the Commodores, uh, giving their first and only performance on film with Too Hot to Trot, Judith Brown. I think that'll do it for the cast. 
synopsis of Friday in the life of the disco club, the zoo, where the staff and clients meet and dance their lives away. So this is kind of like a days of confused disco film. You know, it's one, it's 24 hour period, basically, or just one night. It's less than 24 mm-hmm. hours at this disco club. It's an ensemble piece. It's showing the comings and goings of the club, the, the workers, the clientele, everyone's getting ready, going out to the club. And this is back when like winning the evening dance contest would, you know, you could die happy if you did that. <laughs> it would make all other life goals obsolete. It like so the dialogue is just ridiculous. I have a couple of clips here that add, or at least in the future, there's plenty of clips here. I wouldn't say quotable lines, but clippable lines that I will use over and over <laughs> again on this show. This one, not so much, but when talking about uh, these two girls, high school girls are going to try to get in, you know, they're underage, but they want to get in so they can win the dance contest. Don't forget you all, big dance contest tonight. The Commodore's live, $200 first prize. Meet here at the zoo. Okay, how's that feel? Fabulous. Pretty. It's better than breaking your ankle. Now, come on, you can't win a dance contest if you shoot. There's no guarantee I'll win. You will. You will. You are the best dancer in Taft High. Jeannie, that's kids. This is different. Oh, why did I let you talk me into this? Look, how else are we going to pay for the KISS concert? We can't miss that. (laughs) That was kids. This is different. (laughs) This is the big leagues. This is the zoo. I like that they're doing it just to pay for their KISS concert tickets. (laughs) I, I know KISS did a... Yeah, disco tune themselves, but uh, did they have a lot of crossover with the disco crowd uh, outside of that? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, there's no there's no Kiss songs in here. That's the only mention of Kiss. But uh, uh, Ray Vitt or Vitty, um, he's the DJ at the club, spinning the tracks, and he's uh, broadcasting. He's a local radio DJ, so he's broadcasting live. So he's it's kind of a big celebrity in the late 70s, you know, the, the local DJ broadcasting to thousands of people out there. You know, everyone's listening at home. They wish they were at the zoo. But yeah, the Commodores play. That's pretty cool. Donna Summer, of course. Uh, she actually won an Oscar for this film for the song Last Dance, best original song. Although back then it might have just been called Best Song, the award. Not sure. But anyway, this is an Oscar-winning film. As I said, there's some real clunky dialogue in here that is just hilarious. Stereotypes galore. This particular Jewish character who seems very closeted and effeminate, but he's just a real pee hound. He's going after it, the whole movie. <laughs> and uh, he sees a, a fetching young woman at the, at the bar. Ooh! Well, I love to jump on her bones. Mmm. <laughs> I don't think that's how you're supposed to say it. <laughs> I've never heard I love to jump on her bones. <laughs> I've never heard anyone go, ooh. ooh. He sounds like marked on uh family guy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he 
he's always complaining throughout this movie and whatnot. Um, anywho, yeah, there's this other character who's uh, God, he's just a Neanderthal, a really short, stocky, just a real, a real mouth breather. You know, he's not really a dancer. I think he's just might. He's there to meet a girl he met through some phone service, like an answering service. Yeah. And uh, uh, he gets very upset that the girls that he meets are a not like, you know, less than five feet like he is, basically. He's like five, five foot two or something. It's very (laughs) short. And so women are taller than him. And uh, apparently they're too smart, too. Damn, broads is going too far. <laughs> I think there's another one. You know, I filled out my form so carefully. I asked to be matched with somebody in government. That's what you got. I worked for the city. I'm a garbage collector. Garbage? Hey, I never touched the shit. I just drive the truck. Why? What do you do? Uh, I teach the sixth grade at the Huntley Grammar School. Christ, I told them no college broads. You think you know everything. You know, I'm going to get those computer bastards for this. Hey, you want to speed it up in there, huh? We could probably just make the best of it. There ain't no best of this. This is the worst. Hey, will you shake your ass, huh? Gus, calm down. Calm down nothing. Your time is up. Gotta go. You know, I went too hard for my money. I put too much time into this, and they ain't gonna get away with this, no, sir. And I got no change. Give me a dime. I'll see if I have one. I don't know. Come on. Give me a dime, will ya? I've only got one dime, and I'm gonna need it to call my therapist. That scene, I rewind like five times. <laughs> Did he rip the phone out of the wall? Yeah, he rips the <laughs> phone out. It's a phone booth. And he, so there's a guy in there and he he throws him out of the phone booth. Yeah. Because, you, you know, he took 10 seconds. Your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a dime. Like he is just so animated and just, oh, he is just a wrecking ball. <laughs> just a real neanderthal hilarious there's so many fun characters in here i had a blast watching this movie let's probably give it a rating but there's just so much to like about it jeff goldblum plays a he's like the the club owner mm. and he's trying to he's trying to cuck this dude the whole time he's, he's going after his wife the whole movie and it's funny because like he pulls up in a how does he drive like a porsche or something and then he goes to the painstaking prize he you know he parks he has like his own spot right in the front of the club. Mm-hmm. He goes through the painstaking process of putting that uh, top or the cover, you know, to cover your car in the parking lot. So oh, he puts man. it over there and then he's like, you know, rubbing the wrinkles out of it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many centric characters in here. It's just hilarious. Yeah, I had a blast watching it. Uh, definitely recommend it, especially if you love anything disco. I'll give it a soonish. Soonish. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Just from those clips alone, it's got me intrigued. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I'm definitely going to play uh, that damn Broads is going too far and the 
Anytime we talk about an attractive woman, ooh, I would love to jump on her bones. Oh, I work man. in government. I'm a trash collector. <laughs> I never touch the stuff. Just drive the truck. I told them no college broads. Think they know everything. Oh, man. Oh, boy. How times have changed. All right. Um, Not really. It's just online now. <laughs> Damn computer companies screwing me over. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's uh, hear your thoughts on Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. The Spy Who Loved Me from 1977. Uh, directed by Louis Gilbert. Starring Roger Moore, Barbara Bach, uh, Kurt Jurgens, Richard Keel, Caroline Monroe, uh, Walter Gotell, Jeffrey Keane, Bernard Lee, George Baker, uh, Michael Billington, Olga Becerra, Desmond Llewellyn, Edward De- Edward De Souza. God, I could go on forever. Uh, synopsis is James Bond investigates the hijacking of British and Russian submarines carrying nuclear, nuclear, nuclear warheads with the help of a KGB agent whose lover he killed. I will say I was confused because I didn't realize until much after I watched the movie that that wasn't James Bond in bed with her at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> like so it starts off with the the kgb like version of m calling agent triple x to to go on a mission triple x yes <laughs> not not vin diesel or ice cube it's <laughs> a different one it's barbara bach she's much more attractive uh, but uh ooh, i'd like to jump on her bow <laughs> yeah. I love to jump on her bones. Mm. Barbara Bach, she is quite the attractive lady. Married to Ringo, right? Was she? Uh, I know Ringo was married to a Bond girl. She, he might have been married to Britt Eklund. Hold on. I'll look it up. Just proceed. Anyways, yeah. So they, they call her uh, onto a mission. And then... Uh, She's in bed with a guy who I thought was James Bond, but apparently wasn't, <laughs> which makes a lot more sense now that I think about it. And he's like, I yeah. got to go on a mission to Austria. Now you got to rewatch it. It changes the whole movie. Then they, then they cut to Austria and it's James Bond banging some chick. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it turns out some Russians are there to kill him. And because uh, I was like, why is she so mad at him? Like throughout the movie, like, I don't get it. Like, oh, weren't, they, <laughs> like, weren't they banging at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you didn't like it as much. <laughs> like it didn't change my opinion of the film, but it, like it, it made a lot more sense. Like their <laughs> it should now. <laughs> I was like oh. the entire the whole you know, the whole conflict of the film. <laughs> you had no idea why. Boy, I feel like a horse's patoose. Spy love me. They hate each other because she, he killed her lover. Like, like I thought, 
I thought he was fucking her. Like she was like doing it on the side with him. And then like like her her boyfriend or husband or whatever just happened to be on the you know, in Austria at the same time as James Bond. But like I don't know. Anyways. All white dudes look alike, you know, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'll say that it didn't really change my opinion, but like it made more sense when I actually like thought about it. Like, oh wait, mm-hmm. duh, duh. <laughs> Anyways, I thought the story was pretty weak. Like the whole reason, like they have to work together. Like, there's uh, what what is uh, Stromberg? He, he's uh, some he's kind obsessed of obsessed with the ocean. Yeah, he's some kind of industrialist. He's got a lot of money. And uh, he wants to blow up the Ru- Russia and the UK so that he can build an underwater city for, or something. I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But to do it, he developed a uh, submarine tracking system. Uh, and then he captured a, a UK sub and a, a Russian sub. And uh, later he captures a US sub also. But um, the uh, the technology gets out of his hands and he's mad about it but that kind of springs into motion the uk special agents working with the russian special agents which is 007 and triple x to try to find out the the uh technology behind the submarine tracker and it's kind of it's kind of a flimsy premise right it's basically we need these two people working together how do we do it? And it's like, just whatever. They need to go find something. However, there are a lot of really po- good positive points of this movie. Jaws is an amazing character as the, the main henchman. Mm-hmm. I thought the other henchman would have been good, uh, but he doesn't last very long. Um, I believe he was. I looked to you. The other guy was a pro wrestler. And they do some pro wrestling. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. I, I think he was British, so I, don't, I haven't seen much of him, and he was in the 60s, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, apparently he was a pro wrestler. There is a scene where they're at the pyramids of Egypt, and James Bond just does a body slam on somebody, <laughs> which I, I thought was hilarious, <laughs> and then he's throwing those metal kicks, because he can't get his leg up high enough to kick him in the head. <laughs> like, back, back when, like, you know, martial arts was starting to pick up steam in America. Like that was big in wrestling too. Like in the, the early to mid eighties, like you'd get a guy who's the martial arts expert and he would just throw these, these spinning back kicks and it, like, he couldn't even get his leg above his waist. Like it was just like, and then like the judo chops or whatever, which aren't even judo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just made up. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some of that in there. Like I said, Jaws is fantastic. Like he's, He's in a bunch of scenes in the in the early part of the movie, and then he kind of disappears for a while, and then he shows up again at the very end. But like every scene he's in is fantastic. I love that he's indestructible, uh, and it makes for some fun stuff. Like uh, there's a car chase that ends with with uh, we'll get to it in the in the spoiler section probably, but the the way the car chase ends with Jaws uh, is just one of the funniest funniest things i've seen in a long time 
plus the scene with the van in the desert was great too um <laughs> yeah. but uh the first half of the movie is kind of slow and there's not a whole lot going on and then like the second half is like the complete opposite it's just like totally bananas they crank up the action they uh like what feels like it should be the climax of the movie is just like explosion after explosion after explosion i don't know how many grenades they threw in like a five minute period but it seemed like a lot uh (laughs) but uh let's see what else um yeah, I mentioned uh, Kurt Jurgens as uh, Stromberg. He's the the primary villain, but like he's not given anything to do. He he's a pretty weak villain overall. But the actor playing him is like tailor made to be a Bond villain. And I wish they had given him more stuff to do, or like a better character. Because I wish I wish he had, uh, you know, a, a better opportunity to display the uh, the charisma and the the evilness that. You knew it was there. Like you could tell, like uh, what little he was given to do. He he really made the most of it. But it was just like he he was a weak character overall. So a lot of pros, a lot of cons. The second half, I think, makes up for a lot of the uh, the negative aspects of the story and the, the early half of the movie. Uh, throw Jaws in there. Roger Moore is fantastic. Uh, he's got some good one-liners, uh, just effortless charisma. So I, I I think it's worth seeing, and I'll give it an eventually. Eventually. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so now you got to challenge me to watch something. This is a challenge. Yeah, and uh, I think this is as good a time as any to uh, challenge you to watch the macaulay culkin and elijah wood film the good son Mm. is it streaming i don't know i got it uh on blu-ray during kino lorber's uh recent sale so if it's not i can uh, lend you the disc all right well we'll kind of wrap up the show a little bit uh and then after that we will dig in a little deeper to the spy love me with some more spoilers you follow us on twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at Positively Wolf One. Follow us both on uh, Letterboxd. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Uh, Brett, where can people find some lovely merchandise? Yeah, you can head over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. All right. Lots of different designs there for your shopping pleasure. So Spy Love Me is easily one of my favorites. It's the generic consensus pick for Roger Moore's best film. and, And it's a lot of people's favorite overall. It's, you know, for Connery, it's... People either say, uh, you know, Goldfinger or some people say from Russia with Love, but Goldfinger is kind of considered, you know, the gold standard for, okay, they solidified the formula right there. That's it. That's the formula. Mm -hmm. And that was the third one of Connery's. And this is the third one of Roger Moore's. And I think it's 
like the same thing again. It's they check every box. And I think everything is just perfection in here uh, with a little, like in compared to like Goldfinger, you know, everything's a little lighter with Roger Moore There's a little more comedy and whatnot. Yeah. But I just think it's pretty flawless. Now I will agree with you that the, they could have given the villain a little more to do, but I think it's kind of like it's it has to do with Jaws being so great. It's if you probably if you give the villain more to do, then you have to give Jaws less, maybe. Otherwise, then you start getting into like movie's going to be two hours and twenty minutes or something. But I mean, it starts with the iconic, well, <laughs> that great uh, rear projection skiing scene. <laughs> But the uh, the British flag uh, yeah. parachute with the music going, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that was great. One thing that I, I forgot to mention is they have the uh, Funkified theme song during the action scenes. It's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. the disco bond. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that, too. I thought that was great. Yep. They do dial up the funk. Yeah, his plan is to not just blow up you know the uk and russia but he knows it's gonna trigger more nuclear bombs and there'll be a nuclear holocaust because he wants to rebuild like a master race under the sea oh okay yeah i didn't i they kind of explained it but i didn't get like all of it they, they kind of glossed over a lot of the details I think. yeah because he knows once both those nukes hit then there'll be more nukes and you know because he's so obsessed with the sea he wants to start a, a new world under the sea yeah like a lot of proms from 1999 <laughs> there was or 1955 funny thing is, <laughs> 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 it seemed like that was like a theme for all the proms like even like when i was growing up and stuff you know yeah funny thing is the next bond film moonraker which joss is also in the plot is the exact same, except it's in space. Because <laughs> the the villain is like an Elon Musk type. He's a billionaire who builds rockets and wants to go to space and he wants to build a master race in space and he wants to destroy Earth. So <laughs> it's the same except the under the ocean is you know switched for outer space or on the moon or whatever. Because he yeah. has a space station with the new master race of people. That I, I haven't watched in a couple of years, but I'm pretty sure they're all white. So I think he's just trying oh, to do I'm like sure. a master race thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jaws is back for more uh, hijinks and Moonraker. And he even like uh, even has a, a shuttle that swallows other smaller shuttles <laughs> in the air. <laughs> I think they kind of do that in Thunderball as well. On the Sean Connery ones. I think there was a plane that kind of swallowed another plane, like the cone opened up. Yeah, I, I think that might be it. I think that's how they stole a nuke in Thunderball. Yeah, I, that sounds familiar. I don't recall for sure, but yeah. But yeah, it's like they have this big cargo ship that can swallow these submarines in Spy Love Me, and it's kind of the same <laughs> in the record. <laughs> But yeah. uh yeah, James isn't sleeping with the the woman whose lover he killed in Moonraker. So completely different <laughs> film. Completely I mean, most different. of the most of the plots are the same, anyways, but these ones are a little different in that you know it seemed like with Spectre, it was always 
you know, there, there's extortion, there's uh, trying to world domination, threatening nuclear uh, holocaust sometimes. But this mm-hmm. one's like, oh, we, we need to get a master race underwater <laughs> or in the space. And, <laughs> and then Quantum of Solace is like, I want to control all the water in a South American country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I want that's that's uh probably taking from the the greatest uh script in the history of the world, Chinatown, (laughs) which Um, was which was remade as uh, True Detective season two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Spy Love Me uh, also has the great the great scene with the Lotus. Uh, A professor of mine in college had that exact same Lotus. You know, the spy love me car, the submarine car. His was orange, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, that was his pride and joy. Yeah, that car um, was great. The uh the whole chase scene, like it just it goes from zero to a hundred, like the movie like flips a switch, and then they have that car chase, and it's just the most ridiculous car chase you've ever seen. Like people are blowing up and running into shit. And then uh, here comes Jaws hanging out a window, shooting at him. And then, like, the guy in the backseat tries to shoot. He takes the gun away and starts shooting. And then they go off a cliff. And then, like, they go through the roof of a house or a barn or something. And Jaws just walks out the front door. (laughs) Nothing happens. (laughs) I was laughing so hard. Like, oh, my God. That's probably the best thing about Jaws. They do it in Spy Love Me. They continue it in uh moonraker where he always gets in these situations where there's absolutely zero percent chance that anyone should should survive and he just kind of rolls out and dusts himself off <laughs> and that's what also what i loved about batista's character inspector yeah it was, is they brought it back they had yeah. none of the craig movies had a great henchman until batista and he had the he didn't have you know metal teeth he had the metal thumbnails mm-hmm. so he had a gimmick and there was like three scenes in that movie where he should have died and right. he didn't. So yeah. like they, they told us, which I was hoping in no time to die, he was going to come back. Cause the last time you see him inspector is when uh, bond chains them to those barrels as they're flying out of the train. So yeah. he gets, he says shit and he gets yanked out of the train. So I was like, Oh, this will be perfect. He's going to come back in the next <laughs> movie, just like jaws and he'll come back like three times but of course they made it you know too serious not enough room for that much comedy for batista to come back so uh, like like i said every scene with jaws is great like there's a scene where he lures him out into the desert or whatever like i don't know there's all those different tower i don't even know how to describe it but uh they try to escape him in their in a van that uh, i think jaws actually drove there Mm -hmm. uh in the van and they had jumped in the back of the van. You know, they, they thought they were hiding, but he could hear them. Anyways, they try to escape in the van and he just starts ripping it apart with his bare hands. <laughs> and like, for some reason, like, Agent Triple X is this high-level KGB Russian agent and she doesn't know how to drive a stick shift. And, uh, <laughs> and James is just needling her. Like, God damn women drivers. <laughs> 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 but uh anyways so he, he he rips the van apart completely 
and uh yeah that was great and then at the end like it's the final battle between bond and jaws and uh jaws ends up getting uh sunk in with the sharks and he ends up biting the shark (laughs) which was hilarious (laughs) so yeah he he attacked the shark he became the aggressor It's like that's why they call him Jaws and not the shark. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, Jaws is the film had come out in '75. Yeah. So of course, you know, they call him Jaws, probably piggybacking off of that, and they have the sharks inspire love me. And also, like towards the end, when Bond, after you know, they blow up that big ship and he goes to the lair, which they have another <laughs> great uh, use of models in here. Yeah, scale models that they use, but Bond comes rolling up there in this retro uh, jet ski. That was the first. That was the first jet ski. (laughs) Audiences were mystified by a motorcycle on water because Q (laughs) delivered it in a bag, and he had to assemble it on the submarine. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was great too. I love that. And uh, so great about the uh, some of these Bond films, especially this one with the real life gadgets. The jet ski was new at the time, but even that Lotus submarine that was they made that was a real submarine car that Lotus made. That's crazy because it looks it looks fake. It looks fake. Like you couldn't. It's not the the average person couldn't buy it, but it looks made. They made an actual workable car. That's amazing. Oh my god. I'm sure there were leaks and it probably wasn't very practical, but that scene just it driving out of the water and everyone on the beach is like, what the fuck? That was awesome. That was another yeah, that was that was a good bit of, of, of comedy right there. Um they do the scene with uh Q is testing all his inventions and it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yeah. And uh I thought that was that was funny too um yeah all, all the best ones usually have that scene because typically the bond films always have that but every once in a while it q meets him in the field yeah. and so he only shows them the gadgets that are there he's not always in q branch where you can see all the experiments <laughs> but yeah stromberg the main villain gets a pretty quick finish uh he's did you see that- the tabasco yeah, I noticed he, was, he had it on the table. <laughs> he's like dying, you know, because he shoots him in the balls like three times. Yeah, because he had that <laughs> uh, that harpoon gun with the really long uh, barrel on it. And then Bond just sticks his gun into the barrel and shoots back. And it's like right in the right in the dick like four times. <laughs> yep. Well, he doesn't last too long. And of course, they had the the escape hatch that had a bed and lots of champagne <laughs> and uh, liquor. And uh, Bond uses his. He's got to keep the British end up. <laughs> yeah, he he uses his charm to get one last uh, wish before uh, Agent Triple X uh, gets her revenge. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, "Oh, I can't be mad at you. You, <laughs> you fucked me too good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh there's a lot of great 
innuendos in here, of course. Starting like five minutes in when Bond is, you know, on assignment, he's having sex with that girl in the beginning. And M and everyone back at MI6 is like, where's Bond? Tell him to pull out immediately. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's right off the bat, there's there's a bunch of stuff just like that. It's like, oh my God. This is good stuff. So I I think we've uh we've covered most of it, but like there's a lot of fun stuff in this, a lot of real entertaining parts. Um I just thought there was a there was a lot of stuff that wasn't as good in it either. But uh yeah, yeah. overall it's worth seeing for sure. Yeah. Um so it even goes more nuts with Moonraker next since he goes to space. And then of course, you know, they, once they go too far, they try to, they swing the pendulum the other way and they try to ground bond more. Yeah. So the one after that is for your eyes only from 81. It's a, it's a decent one. It's one I've seen less than most of the other ones, but it's, you know, it has less comedy. It's a little more serious, but, um, yeah, I'll probably assign you those two like next, and then I'll give you another break. Okay. Because after that, it's uh he has two more, Roger Moore, his Octopussy and A View to a Kill. And Octopussy was the was in 83, and that was the Battle of the Bonds. Oh yeah. When Sean Connery came back and did the uh Never Say Never Again, and it came out in the same summer. It was like three months apart or something. So I think that would be fun to compare the two. Sure. But um, yeah. So I guess that would be much farther in the future. Yeah. I and mean, we talk about like, oh, look at all these movies we can challenge each other to watch. Mm-hmm. And then like we do one a month. And <laughs> then it's like, well, actually we're like my challenges for this month. And then you probably won't challenge me for another two months. Mm-hmm. So we could do more of these recently scenes this summer. We could. Yeah. That's true. But at our current pace, we're we're not yeah. getting through the challenges as quickly. But I mean we got so many movies, it's like, oh man, which mm-hmm. one do I challenge Eric to watch next? And yeah. It could change ten times between now and the, the next time I make the challenge. Anyways. All right. Anything else you want to bring up? No, I think we're good. All right, we will check you guys all later. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking Check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you're off my case.